You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. My guest today is Jeff Ramos. He's here to talk about his review of Lawbreakers. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Jeff, welcome for what I believe is the first time to quality control. It is. Well, I think I, I was in a Destiny group one, but this is the first time you have me all to yourself. Oh, excellent. Now, Jeff, how did you, you are uh, normally on the social media side of things. How did you get saddled with Lawbreakers? Believe it or not, I asked for it. Now, why? Like that. Mm, let me put this another way. How were you able to distinguish Lawbreakers from other video games enough to know you wanted to play it? <laughs> you know, a p part of the the sort of niche I'm trying to carve here on the review side of things is competitive games. If you look at actually at the competitive, the reviews that I've done, they have been mostly competitive games. And so Lawbreakers is a competitive game that's come out this year that needed a review. Uh, and I don't say that to actually disparage Lawbreakers. I've, I have no familiarity with it, but it feels like that I, I would lump this in with Fortnite and like these games that are sort of amorphous that I've had a hard time wrapping my mind around their existence. I'm sure it has not afflicted everyone in the same way, but uh, uh, Lawbreakers is just not a title that I, for some reason is, is able to stick in my cerebellum. Um, let's talk about competitive games and reviews for a second because before we get into lawbreakers um when you're playing a game that is competitive by nature for review does that add more pressure like the pressure to get good scrub to um like to to reach a certain level of competence or uh, proficiency before you can like give it a really accurate review how do you how do you sort of approach that you know, one of the first things is that I'm I'm very good at video games. No, of course. <laughs> so it's 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 not a challenge. No, I, I, that's actually a really good point because you know something that's maybe narrative driven, right? You don't have to get good at you know Uncharted. I mean, you do, but you know you still have to. There's not much you need to learn once you get the game going. So to your point with the competitive game, I like to I like th that part of the process of like how long does it actually take to become competent enough to know if I like this slash will I ever be good at this. Right. And I think that's really important. I, and I, I like competitive games like this. I like, I've, you know, like fighting games I've been playing my entire life. Uh, online shooters I really enjoy. So I have some vocabulary already. So getting good at Lawbreakers doesn't take a lot of time. There's a lot of, again, like a lot of vocabulary that seems familiar. And it's those things that are different about Lawbreakers that, at least in my opinion, are the things worth paying attention to and honing in on when you're trying to review that game. Because... You know, it, that's it, those core differences. I think are what make these games unique. When the at this stage now, the the competitive online shooting game based on interesting character market is saturated, and so trying to figure out what those things are for for people like you who don't know much about the game. That's are, those are also things I'm really focused on trying to bring out. How much uh, of the game do you feel like you need to see before you can write a review? With a single-player game, this is very easy, right? You get to the end, you see the achievement before you finish the thing. Um, how, how do you know, okay, I have formed my opinion, I can write about this in a competent way? 
it, it takes a bit of time. I think with, with these kind of games where there's, you know, so the game only has five modes, so it's pretty straightforward to understand. Like, And there, a lot of them are very similar to what you've played before. So it's more like figuring out how does this game approach attack and defend? How does this game approach capture the flag? Definitely takes a few hours. I think you, I had a feel, like my feelings of the games formed pretty quickly, but obviously a lot of it is like figuring out, am I good at this game? And figuring out like what characters are good for certain modes. How do I feel like? Am I gravitating towards certain characters? It definitely takes, you know, definitely north of ten hours at least, at the bare minimum, to get a sense of how if a competitive game is going to be good. But if a, a competitive game is good, those those things change over time. Something like, you know, Street Fighter Three Third Strike, I still play, and that game's, you know, very very old, but it's still it still unravels itself in new ways as I become better at it. Um, this game's, I would say, prominent hook, I would say, is the addition of uh, not gravity. I guess the subtraction of gravity. Uh, what? It, it, so two questions here. One, how is that sort of manifest in the game? Are you just super good at jumping? Or are you flying around like Superman or what? And secondly, how did you, how, how difficult was that to adjust to? Yeah, so, so anti-gravity is a big part of the game. Not not every map is completely anti-gravity. There's little pockets of it, in, mostly in the center of the map or near where objectives are. So the unique thing about the game is that each character navigates that differently. So you have a character like the Juggernaut that actually doesn't have a lot of mobility options. It's mostly underground and it runs really fast and has a shield and a shotgun. So it's not really flying around. And so the way that character navigates anti-gravity is different from... The Vanguard, which is basically a person with a jetpack that flies around like the Rocketeer. Um, so so it's, it's cool because, like, depending on how you're playing, depending on what the game mode is, that strategy you're using is radically different depending on the character and depending on who's actually in the anti-gravity room with you and how you're doing objectives. It's, it's all a little bit different. Uh, it, it seems like in, uh, in a lot of these games, for me at least, the degree to which I'm attracted to it really hinges on not the feeling of like winning or losing each round, but how I'm progressing um, in the game. Some games handle that purely through aesthetics, like, um, you know, Overwatch, for example. How is, uh, how is progression dealt with in Lawbreakers? I think that's probably one of the weaker things that the game does. The, you, there's a loot system in there. The the loot is not exciting. You get it pretty frequently, at least at the very beginning of the game. Uh, you get you know you get skins which are fine. A lot of them are just weird 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 recolors. Some of them are redesigns of the character, which the basis of what you're, what you're working on is not that exciting to begin with. So the different skins aren't that exciting. You get a lot of these things called kick decals, which Basically, when you if you get a melee kill, your entire opponent's screen is taking out taken over with a footprint, and you can get different ones of those, and you get a lot of those. And like for how often you actually get a melee kill in this game versus how many you get, it seems weird. So I see I have so many kick decals that I'm never going to use, and no one on earth will ever see. So I I think that's for me it was the least important part of the game. I think my progression and sense of enjoyment came from just getting better at it and exploring how different characters navigate through space like i started with uh the battle medic which is uh you know it's, it's a medic class right but it also has a rocket or, or sort of a grenade launcher and i got really good at that character and then for me i was like well actually I want to try something different now and getting better at that character felt really good too 
so that's not going to be everyone's experience. I think people like the stuff and like getting the, you know, the, the fanfare from getting new loot. But I think if that's what you like, you, that might not be <laughs> the place to look for it in this game. Uh, we've got some uh, questions from listeners that we're going to get to in a second. Um, but I, I meant to ask earlier, and it's very indicative of 2017 that I do need to ask this question, but is this a finished game, like an actual real finished game that is available for sale at a regular game price? This is just a regular video game that you buy. Is that correct? Yeah, I I, I played a complete video game. I th- So in, for that question, though, I think the thing that will feel weird to people and not 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 remotely unfinished like but the weird thing about the game is that each of the maps accommodate all game modes which is weird when you think about it because you have to build maps that accommodate totally wild different games of play uh, sets of play and so that feels it feels like a decision that they can later fix with dlc but it's it does feel weird at first when you realize i'm like oh like this map's completely unbalanced for this game mode it would be cool if they fixed it. And the only real fix is new maps or not making maps available for certain game types, but it's a full experience. There's 18 characters technically. Well, there's nine classes and two different versions of each character and there's all stuff to do. So it's not completely unfinished. I would never, I would never say that. So uh, Jeff, a lot of your complaints with the game, um, and I would say your main one, at least judging from the review, it, it does tie into the aesthetics of the game, uh, one user that wrote in, Ty Tuesday, a listener, said, uh, in 2017, does a market for the grungy, aggressive, and for lack of a better term, cuss and wild even exist? I remember <laughs> the endless lampening of this aesthetic and presentation in 2001's Bullet Storm, but here it is completely unironically. Um, when you are writing a review and you're writing criticism of aesthetics, um, is that difficult for you? Because it is, by definition, a subjective thing. Um, how how did you approach critiquing that? Yeah, I didn't want to lean too heavily in that. And certainly a thing I didn't want to do was compare it to some of its peers, which I think a lot of people praise some of their peers for doing that, that sort of thing right. But something like Bulletstorm, I think it's very aware of that aesthetic and kind of ha- pokes fun at how ridiculous that idea is. And I think Lawbreakers thinks that these ideas are cool. And it, it certainly is cool to them that, I mean, that's why they lean so heavily into it. I certainly disagreed with that idea. I think a lot of those ideas seem, you know, past their prime. I, 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 there's a part of me that feels like if this game came out in 2006, I would love it. Uh, I mean, I certainly loved the first Gears of War games, uh, but I don't think those ideas would survive today. And so I think it's a lot of understanding the the sort of general landscape of you know what's cool what's not cool i get like to your point that's very subjective uh but i just think that there's something about it that just feels dated uh Mm. but in a way that's futuristic which kind of is a weird paradox yeah but i think that's it's certainly the thing you notice and it the the aesthetic is very heavy if you go to the lawbreakers website it immediately starts with like this pulse pounding hashtag skilled as fuck thing that you can't get away from so they're they're very clear like that this is the message we want to send it, it vibed with them it didn't vibe with me uh we have many more questions from listeners that we're going to get to right after this but first we have to take a quick break to talk about that's it uh, if you're looking for something to snack on and you don't want something that has a lot of 
I'll just say it, weird ingredients. You know, a lot of junk and also trash. Uh, you may want to try reaching for That's It. Uh, these are gluten-free, kosher, and vegan, and raw diet-friendly. Great for getting one full serving of vegetables every day. They're made with real fruit, under 100 calories. They're a great source of fiber, and there is no fat. What's in them, you ask? Vegetables and fruit. And that's it. They, they put those two things together and use, I'm assuming, magic, and turn them into a, a bar that has four grams of a vegetable protein, no added sugars or preservatives, and they're convenient. You can throw them in a gym bag, throw them in your pocket, take them with you for uh, a, you know, a, a nice snack on the go. Uh, right now, you can get a hold of a really cool deal. If you go to That's It, that's what these things are called, That's It Fruit.com, you can enter our code CONTROL at checkout. You can save 10% off your first order. You try the new veggie bars that they're they're uh, that has been deep in the fruit pocket for a long time, and now they're getting into the veggie game. Uh, check them out, and, and and you can go to that'sitfruit.com. Enter the code control at checkout, and you can save ten percent off your order. Your taste buds and your body will thank you. Uh, Jeff, questions from listeners. We got a load of them. Uh, <laughs> Some there's a lot of uh, disbelief, I would say, about lawbreakers and the 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 hyper aggressive marketing versus the a game that has not necessarily established itself yet. Um, but 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 uh, here's the first one from New Crystal, Chef Lublu, Lubu, who says, "Which is your favorite character and why is it Bombshell?" <laughs> Bombshell's an interesting character. Um, so I think my favorite character is it's we that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> no, well, you know what it is? <laughs> it's hyper challenging. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some uh I have like eight eight questions all together. So they're from Ken, and I'm just going to read them so you monsters feel justified. Ken says, How many laws are broken on a round per average? Uh uh, let's see. Along that similar line, Parker says, how many laws do you break in a given match? Uh, Uzo Heim says, you can break the laws, but can you reforge them in your own ghastly image, asking for a friend? Bluegrass Bob says, how criminal are these bad boys? Yair Donan says, what's your favorite law to break in-game or IRL? Jeff is Lawbreaker's bad name for this video game. <laughs> what's weird, so what, what's not told in the game is that the, the bullets they shoot are actually laws. You're shooting laws at other people. <laughs> Yeah. For not knowing what they are. Yeah. Uh, it, so Jeff, is it a bad name for this video game? Or is it an accurate representation of this video game? Are the laws being broken? Or is it just a goof about the law of gravity? It's, I mean, it's a bit of both. So yes, the law of gravity is broken in the game. Uh, the, so I, when I said before, there's nine classes and there's two versions of each. So there's the law, the law version and the breakers version. So like sort of the light and dark, although it's very hard to tell the difference between them because they all look like a bunch of cyber bad boys and bad girls. So, <laughs> but I, I, th I think what they try to do is try to make those characters have a personality and there's some backstory on them, which is, is there. Mm-hmm. So they're certainly, they're certainly thought of. Space Jammer says, how many laws can you actually break? I've seen very little marketing focused on the law breaking aspect. <laughs> okay. We get it. Um, they... Oh, I get it. It's a, oh, 
Jesus says, or Jesus, perhaps, it's hard to say, are they breaking local, state, or federal laws? What's the stance on statutes? Okay. Um, Jeff, here's one mm-hmm. from Tom. Says, there have already been reports that the community for lawbreakers on PC is super small. How can Bosky recover? Is free to play the only option? What was your experience with that? So I played Lawbreakers during the open beta and obviously during post-launch, and I never had any trouble finding matches. I, 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 queues were pretty quick for, you know, all things considered. The play was pretty competent, you know, like I was fine, but there were certainly people that were better than me. It's because they're just better at video games. But if you can believe that, but it was fine. And I th- that I mean, I, I see the argument a lot for games like that. And I, I reviewed Battleborn and that was some of some of that kind of comments came through with that game as well. And I, I here's the thing I feel about that is that does it matter? Like, you know, let's say I have a board game and the only people who really play that board game is maybe me and my friends. So the player pool is four people. And it doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the game. If there were, if it was, if if it was difficult to find matches after you paid thirty dollars for a video game, then that's certainly an argument worth having. But the game is fun. There is a community of people out there playing it. You you will be able to queue up and have some competent matches going. I, I you know in the same vein, you think of you know there's other games that have millions of players, but you're not playing against millions of people. You're playing against you know ten people, and those people are just as dedicated if you are. And I think that's fine. I think there's a pride of like playing a game that has a huge community or if you feel like you're part of something bigger, but I, I don't think that should scare people who, who find this game interesting and think, oh, there's, you know, this game doesn't have enough as many players as game X. I'm not going to be able to, you know, queue up. That's that's I don't think that's true. I think you'll be able to if this game piques some interest of yours, you'll have other people that are out there that will have fun with you. I'm going to ask you this this question. It's very theoretical, but I posed something similar to Charlie Hall when we were talking about Fortnite last time. Um, it, it it definitely seems like there are games that start with something raw that can then be molded. Fortnite is explicitly in early access. This game is not. But the assumption is that this is a, a ground level on which the skyscraper of uh, lawbreakers uh, will be built, but it, this is an increasingly crowded field and an increasingly crowded market for these sorts of experiences. Do you think, uh, and again, I'm asking you to theorize a good amount here, but do you think that lawbreakers does enough to separate itself for sort of a sustained viability? Can you see a path forward where lawbreakers becomes a, a real force in this uh, incredibly crowded market? Yeah, I mean, that's hard. It's, you know, with the game, especially when you're coming out. Well, I mean, at this point, every game that comes out after the sort of pillars of what's popular right now will always have this uphill challenge. But it's certainly possible. You look at a game like uh, Players Unknown Battleground. No one knew that would be what it is, but it is. And it's it's also an early access. It's it's mechanically not the best game, but it's there's there's something about it. Right. There's a lightning in the bottle part of it that just feels fun. And it's it's focusing on that. If you were to focus on the graphics or how well it's made or how good the servers are, then there's a lot of complaints you could probably lobby lob towards the game. But it's it's still a mechanically fun game. So the feeling I have with Lawbreakers that it's it's the same. There's if you know if you're a fan of the sort of faster paced competitive shooting market, which there isn't really many of, like the you know Unreal tournaments and things like that. Then you will. This will scratch a very specific itch for you. The the aerial combat, the anti gravity zones, all that stuff feels really fresh and different. And as I was reviewing it, I kept on coming back to it. And 
knowing like this is the part of the game that I like the most. This is actually super fun doing, you know, flying around, jumping over objective points, you know, shooting people from below me and stuff like that. You know, paying attention to all 3D space in a fight is something that's not common and it's actually super fun. And I think I think if they lean into that and kind of show off just that, you know, how fun verticality is in, in a firefight, I think they'll do well. I think trying to compete in other areas, it's it's a it's again, it's very hard to do. But we we are also talking about a game that like I mean you, our reviewers don't necessarily assign scores, but the the score assigned to the text that you wrote was a six point five, which which ain't which ain't great. I mean, it's okay, but it it ain't great. Um, do do you think that there's an? I mean, do you think the the skeleton is here for a game that would rate considerably higher to sort of be built upon? Yeah, there's certainly improvements the game can make. I think slight tweaks to the character designs will make them feel a little bit... So there's there's two parts of the character designs that fail. For one, they're not interesting to look at, just aesthetically, cosmetically, they're not interesting to look at. The bigger problem is that it's very difficult to, at a distance, tell who's actually on the other side of the room. So enemies are outlined in red, which is actually super helpful, especially when you're shooting from a distance or engaging in aerial combat. I need that in PUBG. Yeah, I love yeah. But you know, it's hard to tell who that person is until their bullets start hitting you or flying past you. And I think two things that can actually really help the game feel more engaging and more fun is being able to see that. Because even when you're watching gameplay, you can it's kinda hard to tell what that person is shooting at. They might be getting kills and they might be jumping around and doing cool stuff, but it, that's that doesn't really help. So I think making just those quality of life changes, I think, will make the game more fun. I think expanding on the game modes will probably make it more interesting in the same way you know, every time a new map or a new mode comes out for another game, that sort of revitalizes the interest in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, like the biggest problem of the game is that all the game modes must fit all the maps that currently exist, and that's not great. So I think if they said, you know, hey, here's a brand new map that is only made for this one game mode and this game mode super interesting and it lets you do cool stuff with the mechanics we built that might get people interested because there's a lot of stuff you do in lawbreakers that's uncommon but again like all that stuff is weighed down by the things that are not great about the game so i think if they kind of improve what is not working well and kind of push up the things that are are doing well i think it might capture a little bit more interest and improve the experience for people who who do want to play it Cool. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for talking with us about Lawbreakers. If you want to read Jeff's review, you can find that at polygon.com along with a lot of other great stuff. But that is going to do it for now. For So for Jeff Ramos, my name is Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.